Welcome to machine learning. Well, Kaggle. What is the value of Kaggle competitions? Well, the idea is that uh, you're presented uh, a problem and then based on that problem, you go through the machine learning process of uh, discovery, you analyze the data, explore the data, uh, explore and analyze the data. So you use uh, visualization, uh, can look at the features, look for variants, uh, look for, see which uh, features are contributing. And uh, one way to do that is to look at the mean square error. So uh, you start off with uh, one feature and then uh, you split your data into train and test and then compare the train mean square error. And if it goes up, then you don't add that feature. If the mean square error goes down, then you add the feature. So you can kind of like uh, stepwise through your um, your your uh, uh, model and uh, compare the uh, data, uh, your error, so your residuals. Okay, so another uh, feature that you can do is um, you can uh, stratify your data through k-fold and then you can look at each one of the k-folds and you can see how you're performing with the k-folds. So again, it's like the same stuff that we've been doing with uh, uh, look, uh, exploring the data. See, the point of the k-fold is that you break up your data into partitions and then you test it against your model. So the model has never seen that data before and, uh, and you measure the performance of the model against that unseen data. Um, so by breaking it up into multiple partitions, you see how well your model is, is generalizing. And then uh, if your test um, error starts to climb above your training data, so as more training data is added to your classifier or model, the more accurate it should become and the lower the error. So that's typically true of the train data, but when the test data starts to climb back up, then you know you have overfitting occurring. And so uh, once you have overfitting, uh, you know, you want to look at uh, um, ways to adjust the, either the, the model so that overfitting doesn't occur or you adjust uh, features in the data. So there's some cases where, you know, that uh, like if you combine features together that uh, accuracy decreases, but in, in other cases it increases. Well, in the case where, for example, on categorical data, you can encode categorical data with label encoder 
and basically what label encoder does is it's it's good for things like your binary where you don't have repeat uh, uh, you don't have various rankings in your category so like it's either going to be a true or false and then that's where uh, uh, label encoding works really good one hot encoding what that does is it uh, sets up a column for every feature in your or every level I guess that's a better way to say it every level in your category becomes a feature and feature column and uh, it's largely filled with zeros or ones and like we were talking about in some of the previous podcasts with uh, PySpark is that you can uh, convert that one hot encoding into a sparse array where uh, the first list includes the index of if the items that are one and the second one or non-zero, non, non-zero, and the second list is the values in the non-zero column or, or in the non-zero value for the feature columns, in the feature columns. Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. So, uh, you know, it's real interesting uh, because as you look at uh, one hot encoding, there's also numerous other encoding schemes that are available. One that they talked about it was uh, target encoding. And what that does is you find a mean uh, per category. And so it kind of works like label encoding. You only have one, one uh, feature column uh, for the category encoding or yeah and uh, but in the target encoding algorithm um, it replaces each of the category with a mean average and so you got those mean averages being repeated in there and so in, in a way it then makes the uh, category look like label encoding label encoding only produces one feature column so label encoding feature column all right so those are kind of cool uh, ideas and uh, uh, then you can adjust your date time you can get uh, uh, you can do a PD to date time and then you can access the date parts by doing dot TT you can .tt year, month, day, uh, year, day of the week, and I think there's also Julian. There's quite a few different date parts that are available. And sometimes it's helpful to kind of treat date time almost categorical, like you're going to segment your data up into categories so that <clears throat> by doing that, you're, you're um, in essence, creating more coefficients in your classifiers, you can intercept coefficients. And then if you know how to interpret those coefficients, you can you can uh, interpret the story that your data is telling you. So feature engineering is important in that sense. And I noticed that a lot of, uh, a lot of work was done in the realm of uh, 
Pice Mark for feature engineering. So looking to see how I could set up a, 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 a feature engineering Pice Mark environment so I could uh, uh, do some uh, uh, testing on, on that. Well, it is uh, an interesting world we live in, in terms of, uh, of the modeling and then thinking about language uh, and pipelines. Everything's now coming down to setting up your pipelines. So you're gonna have pipelines for handling text, pipelines for handling numeric values. You have to have everything in a numeric value, so you're going to be doing all these uh, transformations. Well, like for example, label encoding. You instantiate your label encoder, and then uh, for the particular category column, you would then bit transform it, and then that uh, converts that in from a, a text to a number. And uh, you can do one hot encoding. And that'll create a column of, uh, or a, uh, uh, or like a fact table of encoded uh, uh, columns for each feature. And then you can concatenate that back into your data frame and with PD concat and on the axis one. And uh, then you can drop the category column. So that would then, you can fit and uh, predict against your data that way. So there's a lot of different ways uh, to approach the problem. And so Kaggle, what that does is it, it takes your, you know, some of your knowledge, your procedures, how you're going to approach the problem, how you explore the data. And, uh, you know, it takes you through the mental process of, of finding uh, information in the data. And it's such a, a valuable competition because it gives you a project and then you learn from those projects. So that, that's one of the, the um, things about machine learning that you're going to find is that it's a constant, you're in a constant learn mode. And, um, you know, the concepts and ideas um, you want to get the vocabulary and the language. Just like going to college, you have to understand the language before you can actually understand the concepts. Um, and so getting a better vocabulary of what is going on is critical. Um, and then as the, the math and the concepts are, are being presented, that they're, they're, they make sense and you can retain them and uh, see how those concepts that are applied in code. But the important thing is to understand the purpose of those concepts. What is the goal of the, uh, you know, what is the goal of K-fold uh, stratification? What is the goal of pre-processing? What is the goal of exploratory data analysis? You know, you need to understand those things. And, um, you know, the human ability to understand business process or scientific process is going to need to be explored also so you'll you'll be learning about different things like 
you may not be an expert in metallurgy, but then as you uh, understand the math and then you apply the deep learning uh, to your mathematical model to make predictions, then you can start to see um, how things might be related. And so, you know, thinking about a problem is very critical. And one of the things that uh, Kaggle does is it helps other programmers learn from other developers about how uh, the user or the winner used what tools to, or techniques to win. Sometimes they're not, it's not a, a function of, you know, getting a, a cooler model like a XG Boost or, you know, a, a super random forest uh, configuration. It's not, not, not always uh, comes down to that. Sometimes it comes down to simplifying the model, understanding the data well enough to um, extract out the things that are really important to solving the problem. So feature engineering is really critical. Uh, I noticed that in my training that I didn't have a lot of courses in feature engineering, so I went and looked at them, and uh, a lot of them had to do with PySpark. So again, I, I've got to get that set up. You know, I've taken a couple of courses in PySpark, so I'm feeling kind of cocky about that, but uh, um, there's a lot to be learned, and things are moving at a fast pace. So the the um, and yesterday I was looking at uh, QT PY or PYQT and I tried to install it and didn't install properly. Was disappointed about that, but it looked like uh, from some of the demonstrations that uh, the that the Python way of building interfaces is through widgets. And I like that because uh, I used widgets when I was working in Flutter and I built some UI that way. And uh, so, that, you know, you get kind of a feel for how to approach building things uh, in different uh, environments. PYQT looked like it might be have some promise. You know, you look at the world of Python, it's a scripting language, you look at what it can do. Um, and the value that it offers, how quickly it offers value to understand your data. Um, I really like that. So anyway, uh, uh, Kaggle, I don't think it really emphasizes user interface, but maybe in the future there might be a Kaggle UI where they, uh, you know, they're building Nike-like catalog interfaces or they're building uh, scientific visualization interfaces or they're building uh, augmented reality uh, uh, projects. So there's gonna be things that are relevant to our time and our technology and our hardware capability that are gonna come into focus and then there's gonna be competitions that are gonna bring uh, developers together so that they can do hackathons or, or different type of activities to test their knowledge. So in some ways, computer programming in my mind has become more mathematical. I know I'm thinking more math, and I like math when I was doing it, so 
uh, it, it uh, is not disturbing, but you're looking, you know, you're looking at a lot of things like uh, maybe even hypothesis testing, you know, uh, trying to, you know, make guesses about what's going on in the data, and then uh, using uh, using machine learning to test those hypotheses, looking for those p-values, and, uh, and determining whether or not you have the null hypothesis. So again, we you know, go back to statistics, more statistics, thinking about numbers. And, uh, and then when you think about how machine learning has become so big, it makes you wonder how the world ran without all the statistics. And maybe it had statistics and we just didn't know it. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, these, uh, the people that were, have survived into the 21st century, uh, companies that are, are doing well, have used statistics to make good uh, decisions based on data. So those are those are things that uh, can be um, helpful in helping us to understand what's coming up. You know, because forecasting is important. And the reason why forecasting is important is it gives us a real view of what our situation is. So we get a real view of what the situation is. And, and then you know when certain actions are occurring, why they're occurring. So to get that level of confidence, we need to make forecasts. We make, need to test uh, our hypothesis and uh, be analyzing the data continuously. And, you know, eventually uh, we will get... Uh, we will get machines that can do a lot of the testing for us automatically and help us uh, with, with those type of uh, uh, capabilities. All right, well, my time's up. Good, happy programming. Enjoy your Python.